Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. And ah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my comeuppance for a good portion of December and January. I was talking about how mild winter had been, and and how hey, we're we're getting closer and closer to spring, and and all that is true. Daylight hours are increasing, and typically, what happens is once you get to February, even though you can still get some winter, it, it doesn't necessarily last, and. That's not necessarily what's going on this year. We're in the midst of this string of a stretch of stupid cold. And you had, of course, stupid cold last week, stupid cold over the weekend, and a little bit of moderation for a couple days. And then it gets stupid cold again for next weekend. But by, by early next week, it looks like it's going to start to moderate. So we will get through it. It is winter in Wisconsin. All right, let's see. What, what happened yesterday? Well, there was the golf tournament that was on TV. And, and and maybe some of you went to church, and maybe some people got together. Oh, yes, there was this thing called the Super Bowl. Well, to me, the Super Bowl was one of those examples of um, – the object lesson lesson about how you know gambling is bad because Kansas City was a three point favorite and if I had been somewhere where it would be legal to place a bet I I would have given the three points and taken Kansas City and you know what I would have lost but uh, complete domination I guess as I was watching the game my thoughts were man you know if if the Packers had been playing against Kansas City. I think the Packers would have won as well. I think the Packers were the better team. I actually believe they were the better team than Tampa Bay, although they couldn't get it done a couple weeks ago. So 2020 goes down as kind of a missed opportunity for the Packers. But congratulations to Tom Brady. It really is an incredible accomplishment when you think about how many Super Bowls that this guy has been able to play in and his ability to play at a high level um, e- even into his 40s. It- it's just something you don't see, and I'm just all the credit in the world to him. So we're going to talk about the commercials in just a little bit. Obviously, one of the things people watch the Super Bowl for is, is the commercials. One of the other things that people watch the Super Bowl for is the entertainment. For example, before the Super Bowl, you had the national anthem, which I, I thought was was well done. You had uh, the America, the beautiful. That I thought that was well done. And then there's the halftime show. Now I, I just I want to kind of back into this because I I try very very hard when it comes to to musical acts to try to stay current and and, and have an open mind for things. It is just if you look at psychological studies, what they tell you is that. For most people, their musical taste gets stuck into the, their teenage and twenties. That, that's where you know that's always going to be your sweet spot. It, it's the kind of music you you grew up on as a teenager and in your twenties, and that's the kind of music that you always kind of come back to. And that's why you have so many radio stations that play classic hits and things like that. And that's like when you go on satellite radio. There, there's so many um, of stations that are devoted to the first generation of rock and roll in the second generation and, and so it's difficult for a lot of people especially as you get older to, to try to make a, a point of, of appreciating the new musicians now I have tried very hard 
to, to do that. And as a matter of fact, one of my goals is I, I want to I want to experience new entertainment. When and if we get back to, to going out and being able to see live shows, I, I have a friend who just sold me on this notion a couple of years ago. Um, a, a lot of the performers that I grew up with, for example, who are, are still touring and playing music in their 60s and their 70s and the cases like Willie Nelson in, in their 80s, they're, they're all great. But at some point in time, it's like, okay, well, well, how many times do you really need to go see an 80-some-year-old Willie Nelson, which is taking nothing away from Willie Nelson, and you know, great, put on a great show. But like one of my friends has convinced me, said, you know, instead of spending 100 bucks to see Willie Nelson perform for the 30th time, you know, maybe what you should do is just just take twenty five bucks and try to find some new performer that you know hasn't hit the the scene or, or some local performer and, and go check them out. And I, I really think that that makes a lot of sense. So I I try to be open to new music. I try to be open to new performers, and I try to say, okay, well, I understand that the tastes are going to kind of change. All right, so I. I went into the Super Bowl show curious to see what this Canadian pop singer weekend was going to do. Now, I admit I'd heard a couple of the songs, but I'd really never seen him in in person. So I was kind of curious as to, okay, what, what what is this going to be? So I watched the Super Bowl show, and I tried to watch it with an open mind at, at halftime. And I was with uh, my wife, and we had another couple came over. And, and the four of us were watching it. And I, I have to say... You know, after a minute or two, I thought, oh, that, that's, that's kind of interesting. And the guy's, he, he's not on some big stage that's, that typically they do in the, in the middle of the stadium. He's, he's up in the stands and, and oh, they've got the video going on. And then, huh, he, he's obviously lip syncing to stuff, but it doesn't appear to be coordinated with the sound. So there's a problem there. And then I kept watching it and I kept watching it and I kept watching it. And at the end of the, the 14 minute show, I guess, my reaction, and again, I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded on this stuff, but my reaction was, that's one of the worst Super Bowl shows that I've, I've ever seen. I, and and again, it's it's not that he wasn't necessarily trying. I, I, yes, it, was it weird where you have all the the male dancers that are dressed like him, except they've got their faces bandaged, like they're, I don't know, bad cosmetic surgery results or, or whatever. But I was watching it and watching it. And I was trying to say, look, I, I, I want to try to like this. I want to find stuff that I enjoy. But whether it was the, the mix of the music or the fact that it wasn't synced up where I was watching it, and I, I was just thinking, you know, this might be one of the worst Super Bowl shows I ever saw. Then, I knew that the performers didn't get paid for this. They're, apparently, Weekend was given the choice as to whether he wanted to perform at the Grammys or the Super Bowl, and he chose the Super Bowl. And then, interestingly enough, he wasn't nominated for any Grammys. Kind of wonder about that. But I, I know that they're not paid for, for the show. The idea is you're going to get this incredible exposure that's going to be worth millions and millions of dollars for set record sales and for, for um, concert performances and things of, of the like. And then I saw that he had put seven million bucks of his own money into this production. And I'm thinking, well, okay, on the one hand, it's great that he's got $7 million that he can invest in that fashion. Secondly, it's great for the economy in a COVID world for entertainment that the guy's got $7 million that he can dump into this. But having said all that, and again, trying to be open-minded to new types of music, I, I just, I watched it. I've thought about it. I have in my hand 
probably a dozen reviews of the show. I would say two or three of them think it was the greatest thing since canned beer. Almost all of them, though, other than those two or three, kind of take the same approach I have, which is, what was that? Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One segment, if you saw the Super Bowl halftime show, and I know you did, your, your reaction to it, to me, I got to tell you, for whatever reasons, it it just it left me completely and totally flat. More so, I think, perhaps than any Super Bowl halftime show I've seen in a long time. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did it work for you? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl halftime performer was The Weeknd, who is a Canadian pop singer. I, I, I think the guy's talented. I, I don't think there's any question about that. But that Super Bowl halftime show, at least in my opinion, was just awful. Uh, before we go to the phones, Jeff, the halftime show was terrible. Jeff, during halftime, our furnace stopped working. We enjoyed the cold more than the halftime show. Jeff, I thought it was a total waste of time. Even the dog wanted to go for a walk, and it was eight below zero. Jeff, the people looked like they were wearing jock straps on their face. Jeff, there have been worse ones. Um, okay. <laughs> That's, Jeff, I, it was the dumbest thing I ever saw. That's 14 minutes of my life that I will never get back. Jeff, sorry, the music was a train. I think the music was a train wreck all day. It's the texter. The banner, America the Beautiful, and especially the halftime. I, no, I, I didn't mind. I, I thought America the Beautiful was well done, and I didn't mind the Star Spangled Banner, but, but halftime. And again, this is, I'm not knocking the performer necessarily, but I mean, I think back to some of the, the incredible performance at Super Bowl halftime, including Lady Gaga a few years ago, Prince, that I thought was just absolutely outstanding, and I'm not a huge fan of Prince, but I don't know, the train wreck, if he thought that this was going to enhance his brand and make people want to run out and see him in concert, I, I, I don't know. At least it wouldn't make me want to run out and see him in concert. 855-616-1620. Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. And uh, I am 1,000%, which is rare, in the greens with you. I watched five minutes of it, right? And right. it was just like, was it a Frankenstein movie I was looking at? Because uh, me and my kids are like, what is this? And then the back and forth in the genre with the uh, the different color configurations and the people. I, I, I didn't understand. I, you know, after yeah. that, I had enough. I, I, I went and got more snacks. So that's what I felt about <laughs> it. You are on point today. I, I didn't understand what I was looking at. I said, what the, what the heck is this? I mean, yeah, I, I, you could have just... The, the, the guy, I didn't the guy get at the it. Nope. end of the second, the guy at the second half that ran down the field probably did a more better job than him. Well, I, I, well, I don't know, Marcus. Yeah. Thanks for calling. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people have different tastes and stuff, but I, I do. Where I was kind of watching it in the beginning, and again, I was having trouble with the sound. I think it was mixed really poorly, and the, the lip sync looked off to me, and, and that was kind of off-putting. But I was trying to listen to music. I was having a tough time with that. But then, right, when, when you got into the thing where all the people, all the, the dancers that were dressed up like him, except they had the, their, their masks wrapped like they were the, had been involved in like bad cosmetic surgery or they're coming out of a burn unit. I, I admit, I thought that was 
really, really weird. And then I thought it went downhill from there. Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I did not like it, but I knew the artist beforehand, so I knew what was going to happen. And I, what happened was pretty much what I thought. I didn't like the guy's music beforehand, so it was no surprise. But everybody likes something different. I'm 66 years yeah. old. Now, a teenager, they probably would have loved it. But anyway, I like the Yahoo Super Bowl, Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones Super Bowl halftime shows. But everybody likes something different. That's all I wanted to say about that. Well, thank, thanks. For, well, and, and you're right. I mean, it's everybody likes something different. And that's why I started off this conversation by saying I really try to be open-minded on this stuff. And 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 how many times can you have Paul McCartney put on a great halftime show? Paul McCartney is from my era. So the, the Who would be like that. The Rolling Stones would be like that. But I understand you have to constantly change. And that's why I mean, I thought Lady Gaga was, was great a, a few years ago. I mean, I thought Lady Gaga was really great. And I understand it's also tough to do it. I just think, and I, I'm not knocking the guy as a performer. I just don't know that much of his music. But... I, I, in the reviews I always read, it's, it sounds like The Weeknd is, is a very, very talented performer. I just don't think that show worked out. Um, Jeff, this is uh, Tom. I thought the show was terrible. First, what did you spend $7 million on? I, I didn't see a ton of props. There was a little bit of lighting, um, people dancing in some sections. It was so dark you couldn't tell what he was doing in the music. Um, Jeff, my son... Um, said I didn't appreciate art. <laughs> it was it was his joke. Jeff, my husband and I and I thought it was the worst. We thought the jockstrap guys were bizarre. And after texting our three kids, they and their spouses saw the same. Um, let's see, uh, Jeff, why did he put seven million dollars of his own money into the show? Well, he uh, he he did that. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, um, I was I was almost wishing for a wardrobe malfunction. Jeff, halfway through it, my wife and I looked at each other and said, "What was that all about?" I thought it was a terrible show. Jeff, the music had positivity um, uh, and fireworks, and I think it took people away from all the stress. I, you know, I, I just don't know that. I think people are going, what is this all about? Horrible, horrible, horrible halftime show. The words were indiscernible, and a bunch of guys with underwear on their heads I thought was absurd. I, I do think, I do think that they, they had the, the mix was tough, and I think that, you know, however they decided to do that, Jeff, the sound was horrible. He's a much better singer than when was on what was on TV. Yeah, however, however they did the sound, I don't think that they helped him. When it was done, my wife, my, myself and my family, we kind of looked at each other, and we were like, what was that? Confusing, maybe dizzy when the camera was following him through. Um, Jeff, the weekend is great, but I thought from the beginning that he was a poor choice since the Super Bowl halftime show is generally someone well-known to the older viewing demographic. The bandages were a statement understood by his audience. Jeff, I thought the Super Bowl halftime show was okay, but there could have been a better act that would have been liked by a larger set of the audience, but it did allow me to send out a few emails while the performance ran in the background, so that was good, but not much more. Um, I guess, again, I, I appreciate the guy's effort, and I, especially if he spent all that money in doing that. Um, Jeff, I enjoyed the show more than any other halftime show I've ever watched. Huh. 
As my 30-year-old daughter interjected, it's nice not to have to see any crotch shots, I added, or any breasts leaving their housing. He is more of an artist of music than many other so-called singer-performers. I didn't understand the costumes until my daughter reminded me that they probably needed some kind of masks to perform. The sound did make it difficult to understand the words of his songs. Lots of instruments made it even better. Okay, so I guess, you know, everybody has their individual choices. Candidly, if this was, again, and this can, this the Super Bowl halftime show, and it's why they do it for free. It, it can be used to, you know, restart careers or launch careers or take them to a different strata. Bruno Mars would be another classic example of that. Certainly Lady Gaga, all those different things that are out there. I, I'm not sure this is going to have the same effect for the weekend, at least among, you know, his, his various listeners. But, again, you didn't pay anything to see it. And actually, the NFL didn't pay him anything to do it. So you get what you pay for, I guess. All right. When we come back, some more Super Bowl conversation. Mitt Romney wants to bring back the welfare state and potheads of Wisconsin. Well, this could be your lucky day. Tony Evers is looking out for you. All that's coming up on the program. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I have my, my, my first of what will be several what-could-they-have-been-thinking stories. Three teenagers accused in armed robbery at Cedarburg Gas Station. Three teenage boys have been referred to juvenile authorities after an armed robbery at the Speedway, 121 Washington Avenue in Cedarburg. That That's the the big Speedway gas station that's right on the main drag as you're going into Cedarburg, all right? All three were taken into custody February 1st. According to the news release, they are accused, okay, 14-year-old enters the store, displays the firearm, and removes the cash from the still, steals $218 in cash, and takes $12 worth of merchandise. It's a 14-year-old. The handgun that the kid is brandishing was apparently stolen, taken from a family member of one of the suspects. Two other males admitted to being lookouts for the guy with the gun. One of the lookouts is 14, the other is 13. All are Cedarburg residents. Okay, so you got a two 14-year-olds and a 13-year-old who wake up one day, decide we're going to take a gun that's apparently lying around one of our parents' house, that's what I assume, and then we're going to go rob the the speedway, you know, on one of the busiest corners in Cedarburg. Gee, what could possibly go wrong with, with that? And what could they possibly be thinking, and how do you think that they could possibly get away with it? But here's the thing for the Ozaki County District Attorney. I mean, I, I understand you've got two 14-year-olds and a 13-year-old, but you, if you ki- you got kids that are walking into a gas station 4.45 in the afternoon with a gun and sticking it in the face of an employee to steal 218 bucks. Those kids have problems. And I'm not necessarily saying you wave them into adult court, but you don't slap them on the wrists. Once you take a gun into those stores, really, really bad things can happen. And these kids got problems. 14 and 13, holding up a speedway in Cedarburg, for goodness sakes. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is the Washington County Builders Association. Check out their Home Building and Remodeling Expo. It is going on. It's all this weekend. It's at the Washington County Fairgrounds. 
free admission Friday through Sunday, and you can get a head start on your home renovations for the spring. All right. Now, one of the things that, that played out during the, the, the last couple election cycles, and I, I give Democrats credit for this, they, they understood that there is a demand, at least among certain people in this state, to, to have marijuana legalized. So what happened is, and this goes back to 2018, I, I think you can make a strong argument that one of the reasons Scott Walker lost his reelection bid to Tony Evers was the fact that a number of communities, particularly in, in very left-leaning areas, had non-binding referendums um, asking whether or not marijuana should be legalized. And that helped juice the turnout for people who were more likely, for example, to vote for Tony Evers and Scott Walker. So you had people who thought, okay, this is what I want. I'm going to come out. I'm going to vote for the referendum. I'm going to hang around, and I'm going to vote for Evers. That is one of the the theories, and I I think there's some validity to that. It's not the only reason that Scott Walker lost that close election, but the marijuana referendums, I I think, hurt him, particularly in some of, again, the areas where they had him on the ballot because it it inspired this turnout of people who might not have otherwise have come out to vote, and more likely, like I say, they voted for Evers. All right, so Tony Evers, over the weekend, has announced that what he wants to do as part of his next budget is he just wants to go full bore and legalize the recreational use of marijuana in the state of Wisconsin. He says that what we would do is we should treat it exactly like we treat alcohol, legalize it for people over the age of 21, put some limits on the amount that you could purchase. But essentially, he says that if we legalize this, tax it like alcohol, he believes that we could generate more than $165 million annually starting in the 2023 fiscal year. And then he says then what we could do is we could take all this money that's going to be flowing in and we could start reinvesting it around the state. You know, we could use it to do all these great things. Now, I remember when we had this conversation, not about marijuana, but years and years ago, we, we talked about gambling. And the question was... All right, if you legalize gambling in the state, and, and we really don't have legalized gambling in the state. We, we have Indian casinos, some Indian tribes that on Indian land have the right to do it. But other than the lottery, we, we, don't, we don't have legalized gambling. And the argument was always, look, even though you can generate a ton of money potentially from legalized gambling, do you really want to generate money in that fashion? Because in many cases... Legalized gambling, it's very regressive. In other words, the, the, the people who tend to lose a lot of the money, and everybody loses if you gamble. I mean, that, that's just the reality. Yes, one person in a million wins the lottery, but that's the one in a million. People, people spend their money, people lose it, and a lot of the times the people who are losing their money are the people who can least afford a, to be able to do that. So the question is, do you want to, even if you can raise tax dollars from this, is that a morally appropriate thing to to do. I mean, uh, sort of like a syntax like that. All right, well, in Wisconsin, we are one of the states that continues to, you know, have a ban. Marijuana marijuana is is not legal in the state. Now, in many communities across the state, including Milwaukee and in Madison, the, the penalties for small quantities of marijuana, it's essentially been decriminalized. 
So it, it's not legalized, but if you catch people with it, th- there's almost no consequences. But this would authorize the sale. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, in this conversation, I, I want to take medical marijuana out of, of this conversation because I think that's a completely, in my opinion at least, that's a completely different animal. I guess I, I've always looked at marijuana, medical marijuana from the perspective of if, if you have somebody who's a cancer patient, for example, and can get legitimate prescriptions of really high-powered opioids or, or whatever to, to deal with, with their pain, I guess I've never had a problem with medical marijuana. If it's something like, hey, you know, we, we can give you this and it can help reduce your pain and maybe bring back your appetite, I, I, don't, I've, I think medical marijuana is a completely different animal. Having said that, though, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about just simply saying, okay, we're going to do what a number of other states have done. We're going to legalize marijuana. We are going to create a, another class of, of people. We're going to say, all right, it's perfectly fine to do this. Um, we'll live with whatever the social ramifications of this are, but we want the dough. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you look at polls, polls that are out there so say, yeah, this is it. People are ready to legalize marijuana. All right, let's tee this up. Are you with the governor? Are you ready to legalize marijuana in the state, recreational use? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not there for reasons we'll get into, but let's discuss it. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, other states have done this, and it's all driven by money, not what's right and not what's best for the public. Jeff, I hate to play devil's advocate, but what about the cost of the people who abuse it, just like alcohol? What is the law enforcement going to cost? Um Jeff, want the dough? The state is now the state is now in here with the pushers. Great, this is not good for our kids. Um, Jeff, if the governor is so concerned about our health, why would he promote this? Well, th- he's promoting it for a couple reasons. M- maybe he legitimately believes it's a good thing. Secondly, he- he's looking for money. And third, it-, it's, it was a political winner for him indirectly in 2018. And I think he thinks it's going to be a political winner for him again in 2022, regardless of whether it's good social policy or not. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Again, I have many concerns with, with this, including my firm belief that if you legalize pot, what you will do is you will have more people that will use it. That, that's just, I think, the reality. And I guess I wonder from a, a social perspective, I mean, is that really what we want? Do we want more people driving around who are high on pot? Do we want more people using pot that stays in your system, you know, going to work with the stuff in the system? I mean, do, do we want that from a social perspective? Now, look, I understand the appeal of this. I understand the revenue. And I do understand that you've got Illinois that has legalized it, for example. And they're, they're wrestling with the different social costs of this. But, yeah, you get a lot of money that comes in. And I also understand there's some people who think, well, it's no worse than alcohol. So, you know, what, what the heck, let's do it. Um, I guess I, I wonder, is that is that, again, from a public policy perspective, is that the best way to go? Okay, 855-616-1620. Let's start with Debbie in Brookfield. Hi, Debbie. 
Hi, Jeff. Um, I 100% support the legalization of recreational marijuana in Wisconsin. Hey, tell me why. Uh, well, a number of reasons. Uh, one, the revenue. Um, two, other states all around, you've got people that are just going to cross the border. Uh, three, people are already smoking weed and have been smoking weed for decades. Uh, I think people would be surprised by how many, you know, upstanding citizens, um, you know, partake. Well, do you think more, um, if it is legalized, do you think more people will smoke marijuana? You, you would agree with I, me that I more people will smoke be, it if it's legalized. Yes, there, there would, yes, there would probably be an increase because there would be people, there are people who don't do it now just because it's illegal. Right, uh, now, right. I don't see how, you know, alcohol is so much worse than marijuana. Um, you you can't overdose on marijuana, but you can on alcohol. Um, you know, there are rules, there's laws in place, and we can regulate it like other states have. I don't. It's going to happen to the whole country eventually. Why don't we get a little jump start? Well, I guess, I, but but the the problem with that is if if it's bad policy, the fact that it might happen to the country overall. And you're probably right. I mean, I think at some point in time, people are going to stop fighting this battle. Do you believe the argument at all that for some people, certainly not everybody, but for some people, marijuana is a gateway drug that leads to people experimenting with other things? No, I think alcohol is the gateway drug that leads people to experiment with things like marijuana and other things. Mar- alcohol is so much easier to get a hold of than any other drug. And, I mean, I, when I was 14 and 15, and that was many, many years ago, <laughs> I was able to find it. You know, uh, it's just silly. It's silly. Okay, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to um, Paul in the North Shore. Paul, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Definitely, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Hi, Paul. Sure. Um, you know, I think I think it would it would definitely help out with a, a revenue stream that we don't have now, um, and that revenue stream exists. But the only people who have their hands in that coffer is the Tavern League, and they're the real ones, the real opposition, strongest opposition that doesn't want to see this marijuana legalized. And to Debbie's because point, of the competition, she made great points. Absolutely, competition, and she made great points that it's not a gateway drug. I mean, there are so many people that are using it now, and you know, I don't know of anyone that's had a seventh driving while high or a fifth driving while high. And, you know, the people that have those on their on their record, um, you know, that's from the Tavern League who, who you know, continually promote the taverns and alcohol and just kind okay, of say, said, no, we you, you can't said, have you your hands you reject, uh, Let's go back. But you reject the idea that it's a, it's a gateway drug. You don't think that for some people who end up doing harder drugs, heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, that they started with marijuana? You don't, you don't, you reject that idea entirely, huh? Well, I mean, there's other, I mean, go into, go into somebody's medicine cabinet and pull out the Vicodin from grandpa's knee yeah. surgery. Right. No, yeah, I, I, so I, well, I, I understand that there's other gateway drugs. And we're not getting any revenue off that. So, okay, no, thanks for call. I mean, no, I, well, I think I, I think I think you're wrong on that. I mean, I think people would tell you not, and not, certainly not everybody. Look, I'm not suggesting that you know everybody that smokes pot ends up hooked on heroin, but but there is. I mean, there, there's going to be a percentage of that. Now, you could make the argument that they're going to do it anyways. So, you know, those people are still going to smoke pot. I do believe that if you legalize this, what you're going to find is that more people end up doing it because you remove any sort of taboo from this. In addition, 
I don't know. Do you, I'm trying to think of how to say this because there's always going to be the exception, the person that takes uh, offense at this. But I look. You, you talk to some people who've been heavy marijuana users for years, and I understand that you can say the same thing about people who've been heavy drinkers for years. But, you know, heavy pot smoking for, for years and years, you, you don't get out of mom's basement. I mean, that that's just kind of the, the, the bottom line. And I guess I look at this, and without without justifying alcohol, without saying, oh, alcohol is this great thing, um, the, the question becomes, if you accept the fact that you have drunken driving and you have problems, people have problems with alcoholism and anything, as a, as a social matter, do you want to encourage the use of something else which is going to be mind-altering? And in, in many cases, I mean, you do talk to some people, and they'll say, yeah, you know, we've been smoking pot for 35 years, and, hey, we, we just kind of woke up, and we're digging the hash brownie out of our ear, and this is the day that, you know, we, we find out that um, my niece and nephew graduated from law school. Gee, where did the last 30 years go, man? So you do have that element. The, the idea that we're going to use this to generate revenue, I, I think is... I guess I have problems with generating revenue in that fashion. It's a it's a non-productive sort of thing. And I don't care about the Tavern League one way or the other. My concern is with the social ramifications of this. And I think part of it is that we don't know what that's going to be yet. And, and I think, again, you look at some of the surrounding states, and they're still kind of wrestling with this. What are the social costs of legalizing this? Yeah, and I understand, you know, we put it in, we tax it, people stand in lines to buy it at the, disp- dis- uh, at the places where they're dispensing it, and, and that's all great. But what are the social costs of this going to be as we move forward? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Pat in West Bend. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, I okay. believe that they should legalize marijuana. I, I believe they should legalize marijuana. Uh, for one thing is that the uh, uh, criminalization of it, that, uh, you know, you have your drug dealers and stuff like that and the black market, that uh, it just uh, perpetuates other crime. And another thing is that uh, cigarettes, you know, nicotine is one of the most addictive drugs that there is, but, you know, you can go into any store and buy nicotine. So. Right. Oh no. Right. In in, in various fashions. Yep. Ex- exactly. Um, so I guess from the pers- and of course you you don't have to smoke marijuana anymore. You know marijuana. It's not just it's not just the marijuana cigarettes. You end up buying the um, you end up buying the the gummies and all the edibles and and those sorts of things. Let me ask you this: Would you do it if it got if it was legalized? Well, I uh, I have smoked uh, marijuana in the past, and I haven't sure. right now is because I have smoked cigarettes for 45 years, and that's kind of ruined my lungs. And you smoke a lot more cigarettes than than you would ever marijuana. You couldn't smoke that much marijuana as you do. No, no, there's, 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 there's no question about that. Yeah, if, if you, if, if you pa- smoke a pack of joints a day, you're, you're right. You're not getting out of that basement. So thanks to the call, Pat. I mean, see, I guess that's the fundamental question, and I understand the argument. The argument is, look, there's all sorts of people that are out there. They're, they're, they're smoking pot. They're going to do it anyways. 
And so why don't we just try to generate revenue from that? My argument with that is, okay, how, where do you draw the line? I mean, and for example, there there are some states that are saying, okay, we're, we're, it's not just going to be marijuana. You know, let, let's let's legalize heroin. Let's legalize the use or at least decriminalize and then tax the use of cocaine or methamphetamine or whatever. And I understand that marijuana isn't cocaine. I understand that it's not um, methamphetamine. And I understand, and we've this has been my experience talking about this on the program for a long time, that whenever you discuss this, um, conservatives want the money, and you've got you know liberals who want to be able to smoke pot, and some conservatives who probably want to be able to smoke pot too. And and this probably is where the wave of public opinion is. I'm sorry, I'm going to stand against the tide. I think there are social implications for this that go beyond the money. And I just I, I and this isn't medical marijuana. That's a whole different story. But I guess I'm still not there. The governor realizes that this is a winner for him politically, and so that's why he's going to push it. The Republican legislature isn't going to go along with it, which means that it's going to be a campaign issue in 2022. And I guess that's all well and good, but um, I, I'm not ready to legalize marijuana in this state yet. And I guess for the potheads, if you got to drive to Illinois, well, you got to drive to Illinois. Just um, smoke it down there and don't smoke it when you're driving. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Just a couple of final wrap-up thoughts on what we were talking about, the governor's idea, and it's political as much as anything, let's just be honest, to legalize marijuana in Wisconsin. A number of texts coming in, and, and there's lots of people who think it's the greatest thing since canned beer, and other people who agree with me and think it's, it's not necessarily a great idea. One of my favorite texts is, Jeff, I've been smoking pot. Uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase this. I've been smoking pot seven days a week for the last 25 years. I can't believe, what a redneck you are. I can't believe that you don't want to have this legalized. I'm never listening again. Not too concerned about that because my guess is the person will have forgotten about that text fight by, by tomorrow and will, in fact, be back. Another one of the texts I got said, well, Jeff, I... Amsterdam is the classic example of this. And, and Amsterdam, and any time you go to Amsterdam, you know, people smoke pot everywhere and they haven't had a problem. And it, it was interesting because th- this is what I talk about. That That is not the case anymore. Now, let me just say this. I think Amsterdam is one of the great cities in, in Europe. And it's it's true. We were there. Um, that was one of the, the ports. That's where our, our listener cruise a year ago started out. And I, I loved Amsterdam. I, I mean, I, I loved the Anne Frank Museum, and, and I loved the history. And, and, yes, we walked through the red light district and things like that. I, I've, I've actually told this story before, so bear with me if you've heard it. Right around the corner from our hotel, and I'm, I'm with some of the people that are on a cruise and our friends, and we're walking around, and there's this, there's this um, little stand that is it's a storefront and and there the lines there must be 50 to 75 people in this line and i'm looking what are they doing and, and they're selling french fries and i remember talking to one of the guys i i was with and we're saying my god that these must be the greatest french fries in the world that you've got people lined up down the street to get these french fries 
So we were talking about that, and we were kidding around. And then the next night, we're, we're walking down the street, and it's raining. And the, the line is even longer. People like standing in line to get these French fries. And my, my friend and I are sitting there and are saying, you know, may, maybe there's something here. Maybe we, we need to talk to the owners of this. Maybe this is a business opportunity and get a couple people together and maybe get this recipe and, and open a franchise, you know, in Milwaukee. Put it down by Pfizer. This is all before COVID and stuff like that. And so we decide... All right, we're going to sample the, these French fries. So Fran and I and our friends Peter and Betty, we're 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 all we're in line. We we get the we we stand in line in the rain for ten minutes. You get the French fries, and you know we, we sit there and we start eating them. And they they were French fries, and they're 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 not bad French fries, but they're nothing that you would normally wait in line for. And then my wife makes the obvious point. She says, Jeff, don't you understand? Everybody's stoned. That that's that's why people are standing in line in the rain because you know everybody's stoned and they they've got the munchies and they want the French fries. And unless you're going to figure out a way to have everybody down outside Pfizer Forum stoned, nobody's going to just wait in line in the rain to get regular French fries. It's just not going to happen. I said, oh, that that's kind of a yeah. You've you've kind of got an interesting point there because just on their own merit, they they were okay. But but no. But you're right. If you walk through Amsterdam. I mean, it's like being—it's like being at a Grateful Dead concert in 1977. I mean, you almost get a contact high because everybody everybody reeks of a pot. And what you can do in Amsterdam is there are cafes where you can go and you can sit and you can smoke marijuana. I didn't do that, but interestingly enough, the bars—you you can't smoke marijuana in the bars where they serve alcohol. So it's two completely different things. But anyhow, one of the the textures said, "Oh, I, I've been to Amsterdam several times. It's no problem." Well, that's not the case. Um, matter of fact, I'm just looking at a story two weeks ago. Um, Amsterdam, no more cannabis tourism in Amsterdam. And, and what they're saying is that the, the influx of people who've been coming to Amsterdam to just, just buy pot and get high has created a huge problem. Um, it's created a problem with, with crime in Amsterdam. It's created a problem with organized crime that they believe are behind a lot of the, the cafes. And contrary to some people who say, well, there's, there's, there's no way this is a gateway drug, what, what they're finding is that's exactly what's happened over, over the years is that you have all right, at least, and I'm not saying everybody that smokes pot those goes to heroin. Of course not. But what they're finding is that um, the, these these pot shops are overloaded by visitors from Germany and France and Belgium and all over. And so what they're starting to do is that they said the cannabis trade has become too big and overheated. That's what the, the mayor says. He said Amsterdam is mostly known as a place of soft drug tourism and has become a haven for cannabis users all around the world. And she says, look, this is not good for the city. And so what they're doing in Amsterdam is they're pulling back. They're going to make it illegal for non-residents to go into um, th- these shops because they're having such a problem. They say it's a never-ending and growing demand for these things, and they find that the cannabis tourists are a nuisance, particularly around the city center. So, again, I don't I, – I just – I point this out that for everybody who thinks that it's all going to be bells and beads and, oh, this is great, you know, everything's just wonderful about all this, um, Amsterdam, which has been, again, one of the areas where you, you've had, again, the, the complete idea this is going to be this libertine society, they're, they're finding out it's, it's not working out that well. They're also, I mean, Amsterdam is also the place where you have the red light district, and, and yes, we, we walked through there, and I, I kind of found it sad because you have these 
you know, these women who are like standing in the windows and they're, you know, in provocative poses and stuff like that. And I actually, I found the whole thing to be sort of sad. In Amsterdam, they're talking about moving the red light district out of the city area into a more remote area because what they're finding is that the type of crowd that's attracting and the tourism and stuff is not what they want there. So I don't know moving forward that Amsterdam is the example that you want to give if you're going to be arguing about about um, if you're going to be arguing about, hey, gee, this is what we want to do, and this is one of how we want to base the, the future. Just saying, Amsterdam's starting to have all sorts of thoughts about this, second thoughts. All right, let us tee this up. Mitt Romney, remember him? Republican nominee for president, ran um, a against uh, Barack Obama. Remember, Paul Ryan was the vice presidential candidate. Well, Mitt Romney is back, and what he's proposing is essentially a return to the welfare state. Up until, I don't want to, I want to say probably the mid-90s, what, what you had is essentially we rewarded people for having children. And you, you had situations where you had generational forms of, of, of people who just would, would go decades without working. And the idea is you had more kids and we'd give you more money. And it was a lifestyle that I, I think most people agreed wasn't, wasn't that good. You want to encourage people not to be on the dole. You want to encourage people to work and things like that. Mitt Romney is talking about bringing back a variation of the welfare state. Here is his proposal. Hear me out. What he wants to do is he wants to have the government provide $350 a month to every child in America up to the age of six. There's a limit. I'll tell you about in just a minute, but it's a pretty high limit. So every child in America gets $350 per month up till the age of six. And then once the kid turns six, they get 250 bucks um, a month, which is $3,000 a year for every child age 6 to 17. Um, each family would be limited to a maximum of $15,000 per year or a maximum of $1,250 a month. So depending on how that works out, you know, after you have four or five children, the, the, the dole goes away. But um, up to $15,000 a year, no questions asked. It would be administered by the Social Security Administration. You would get a check from Social Security every month based on the number of children that you have. Uh, the way this would work is everybody would get it unless you didn't meet the income limit. So here's the income limit. If you are a single person and your adjusted gross income is over $200,000, you don't get it. If you're married and your adjustable gross income is over $400,000, you don't get it. But let's say you've got married, uh, you make three hundred fifty grand a year, you're, you're going to get the money. You're, you're going to get the money. So... They do phase out a couple child care credits and things like that, and you'd, you'd lose the head of the household deduction. But his plan is we're just going to, this is how we're going to deal with poverty. We're going to give people money per kid, and we're going to give it to them every month so you don't have to wait till the, the year goes by. We're going to give you the money, 
and we're going to just say spend it how you want. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Just the government sending you money based on how many children you have and how old your children are. What could be wrong with this? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We will discuss next. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, on Thursday, Mitt Romney, Republican, former Republican presidential nominee, introduced what he calls the Family Security Act. This bill would provide all non-rich households, and you're a rich household if you're a single filer and make more than 200 grand, or you're a joint filer and make more than 400 grand. All rich household, non-rich households would get 350 bucks a month for every child who is younger than five, and 250 bucks a month for every child between the ages and 16 of six and 17, up to a maximum of 1,250 dollars. Oh, in addition, new parents would collect a 1,400 dollar payment just before their child's birth. So let's put it differently: if Romney's bill passes, the parents of a child born next year will receive 62,600 dollars in child support, cash from Uncle Sam by the time the kid turns 18. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Dennis and Muskego. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Yes. The question I have is where is the money going to come from? Well, where do you think? <laughs> where, where, where do you yeah, think right it's going to come from? In my pocket. Your well, pocket and my pocket. And the people who don't have kids will be paying for those who who pump these guys out like crazy well th- well thanks for, well there i mean there there are limits as to i mean it, it does max out so there there are limits like i say after you hit 4 or 5 depending on the ages you you'll max out on the monthly thing but but yes you're you're right now the, part of the argument is well we're we're going to kind of jigger this around because we're we're going to take away like a head of household deduction and we're going to take away some of the credits that you get for for kids but at the end of the day you're right it's it's going to be coming out of people's pockets Here, here's here's the thing that that is just stunning to me as well which is instead of funneling money to the the, the poorer families this, this is see this is what we're doing with stimulus now but it but it's magnified on a different level my beef with the stimulus checks and I've, I've been trying to be very clear about this is not that you're giving it to some people it's that we're giving it to all sorts of people who haven't been adversely affected by covid who haven't lost their jobs by covid who don't need the money who have tons of but we're just we're just giving it to everybody well this is the same thing explain to me why in god's green earth let's say you've got a, a we'll make we'll make the, the spout, the wife, the wife is an attorney. Pull it in, a hundred and fifty grand a year, and dad works for the government, makes eighty-five thousand dollars a year. So their adjusted gross income, they're making two hundred thirty-five thousand dollars a year. Explain to me why it is that the government, that us taxpayers, should be sending them, you know, hundreds of dollars a month to support each of their kids. 
I mean, explain that to me. It makes absolutely no sense. And, and you can carry this on. $400,000 is the limit. So explain to me why somebody making $250,000 as a doctor with a spouse who's a teacher that makes eighty-five or ninety grand making $350,000 a year, explain to me why the taxpayers should be sending them $350 a month to help support their kids. It's crazy. Isn't it? 855-616-1620. Gianni in Montello. Gianni, you're in WTMJ. Uh, yes, hello, Jeff. Uh, hey, and listen, one thing that uh, you didn't, didn't mention, um, uh, how, did Mitch Romney vote for the, uh, the, the Trump tax cut? Because, I mean, if you're going to be pushing out money and not taking it in, how do you pay for all this stuff? And isn't this, isn't this symptomatic of America's addiction to spend 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 and and you have to borrow the money so that makes absolutely no business sense did and by the way did romney vote do you know for the tax cut because that that's i don't more, believe he did I, I, i'm not positive but i the, the treasury yeah, i don't i don't believe he did Th- thanks for the call i appreciate it um i mean they're they're describing this as the the most generous cash welfare program in modern U.S. history. Now, you know, we made a decision in this country 20 years ago to to 20 to 30 years ago to to try to move away from the welfare state. Now, look, I I do understand. You get credit for having kids. You you get it in the head of household deduction. You get it with the child care credits and things like that 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 come on on taxes. And you do get some money kicked back to you even if you don't make enough money to pay taxes. But this idea of just 350 bucks for anybody based on your adjusted gross income, essentially, unless you make four, if you're married, unless you make $400,000. I just explain to me why the retiree living on a fixed income who is paying income taxes should be paying for or help underwrite the the, the doctor and his or her spouse that's um, you know making $350,000 a year. This is a return to the welfare state. Now, I understand it's got an appeal. Hey, I, I mean, it, it helps me get by. I, you know, if somebody said, hey, Jeff, you know, we, we want to send you, you know, $350 for, you know, every child that you, you know, had. Now, I didn't have kids. My wife had kids, you know, but, I mean, it's, it's like, all right, you, you go, great. This is free money. I'll, I'll be taking it. I, I love it. But does that make it right? This idea that we're going to go back to the welfare state and just throw money money at people it has an appeal i understand the appeal is well it's money for everybody but at some point in time don't we want to realize that we we got away from the welfare state and getting back to a situation where we essentially say to people we're going to actually give you a disincentive to have to go out and work we're going to make it easier for you to just sit on your butt and be able to support yourself because we're going to throw money at you 62 plus thousand dollars um total for every child born in America next year if Romney's plan goes through. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, this is very, very cool. Original cream puffs from the Wisconsin State Fair for Valentine's? Well, yeah. For the first time ever, you can order cocoa or strawberry cream puffs for Valentine's Day weekend puff pop-up. Enjoy a feel-good Wisconsin tradition that we all miss. And since sharing is caring, 
Whose day can you make with a box of cocoa or strawberry cream puffs? This is the last puff pop-up until this year's fair, so clear out your freezer and stock up. That's right, Original Cream Puffs freeze. Hurry and place your order before they're gone at OriginalCreamPuffs.com. Okay, now here's the deal. We're not doing this now, but sometime in the 2 o'clock hour today and sometime on each of the shows this week, in order to kind of promote cream puffs as Valentine's Day gifts, sometime in the 2 o'clock hour, one person is going to have an opportunity, the correct caller, to win a six-pack of the, these cream puffs, three strawberry, three cocoa. So it's very, very cool. We're going to be doing that all week. But they're cream puffs for Valentine's Day. You know, they're not just for breakfast anymore. How cool is that? All right. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would feel right doing this. There, Right now, there is a, a huge rush to get vaccinated. And you have all sorts of people who are very, very frustrated with the fact that because there is a shortage of COVID vaccines and because the, the rollouts haven't been managed properly and because of all lots of factors that we have talked about, there's all sorts of people, even in the, the first classes of people, that, that haven't been able to get the, the shots. And there, there's folks who, okay, you might be 80 years old and you don't live in a nursing home and you've been trying to figure out a way to get a shot and all, all you're doing, you're, you're frustrated because there's all these different websites that are there and you're on the 12 or 13 different websites and the shots are gone and they, they make the appointments and they say, okay, we can only log on at 10 o'clock in the morning and then, of course, you log on at 10 o'clock in the morning and you, you try to get in and they're gone in five minutes and you end up being frustrated. So there, there's all sorts of people who are in the, the most needed categories right now, who, who don't have their shots. There are also, what we have out there is, is categories of what I'm going to call line skippers, people for whom, well, they are essentially skipping the line. And I'm trying to figure out how to say this to be fair, but you know who the people are. It's the, it's the 32-year-old IT guy that works at the hospital, but is, he's working remotely. He's been working remotely, but because the hospital has a few extra doses of this, they, they, they bring him in and he gets it. It's, it's that person. It's the person who knows somebody who knows somebody who says, okay, I'm, I'm going to, somebody calls you up and says, hey, you know, we've got a few extra down here. You want to come in, you, you want to get vaccinated. And, and they do. So you essentially skip in front of, of the line. And there's all sorts of rationalizations for it that you can come up with. Well, gee, maybe they couldn't have found somebody else and they would have had to do away with this. But, but let's face it, th- those are just rationalizations, and, and we all understand that. Well, anyhow, there, there's a story in the Wall Street Journal today. I want to read you the first couple paragraphs, and then we're going to open up the, the lines. With COVID-19 vaccination waiting lists in the millions, some skip lines. Across the U.S., people are flouting eligibility rules and using connections to get a coveted shot. Um, Board members of a Rhode Island medical system were invited to get vaccinated, regardless of their age or occupation, because they were on the board of this medical thing. Judges and their staff received vaccines ahead of schedule at a Nevada medical center, and a Soul Cycle fitness instructor in New York got a shot after saying she was an educator. 
While millions of Americans await their turn during the COVID-19 vaccine rollout, some people are securing the coveted injections before they are eligible by tapping connections or circumventing their state's rules. Government officials have criticized the line cutters. Prosecutors in at least two states have launched reviews, and some hospitals have had their vaccine allotments curtailed by health authorities as punishment for questionable vaccination practices. You know, and then it goes on to talk about the line skippers and things like that. I I read this story, and I guess this is my reaction. I, I am not... In, in the first wave or, or even the second wave. I, I don't have these underlying health conditions, thank you. I, I'm not 65 years old, I, so I, I just I don't qualify for any of this stuff. Now, at some point in time, I'm, I'm going to, and, and I'll get it when it's my turn. But I, I read stories like this, and I find myself thinking, you know, if, if somebody that I know called me up this afternoon and said, Jeff, um, I've been administering shots. Uh, you know, we're here, and um, we're, we're at, a, at a senior living facility. We're at a nursing home. I have a friend who works at a nursing home. You know, we're at the nursing home, and we've been administering shots, and we've got, you know, we've got like a half dozen left. And I, I know the people here know that, you know, you know me, and they're fans of the show and stuff. So would you like to come over and get a vaccination? You know, we, we, we've got a couple of these left over. If, if somebody made that call to me, and as much as I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to get a vac- vaccination, and as soon as it's my turn and they're available, I'm going to get vaccinated. But there is no way, there's no way in good conscience that I could live with myself if I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to skip in line. And, and, and even if even if nobody would find out about it, and even if the argument would be, well, if we didn't give it to Jeff, well, then you know, we, we don't know what we do, but you'd find somebody else that you'd, you'd give it to. I couldn't cut in line. I just couldn't do that, knowing that there are other people out there who need it more th- than I do and who are more, quote-unquote, deserving of this. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And like I say, I understand there, there's all sorts of rationalizations that people can come up with for being a line skipper. There, there's all sorts of those things that are out there. But but let's let's face it, you know, if you're, you know, 42 years old and you're in good health and you're not in one of those occupations that suppose you're not the firefighter, you're not the, um, you know, frontline police officer, you're not the health care worker, I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't live with myself. But yet, if you read the Wall Street Journal today, there's all sorts of people that can. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I don't know how I would deal with the people. I mean, I just, even if you could get it, how do you live with yourself? Let's start with Dan in West Dallas. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, this is just real frustrating. Uh, I'm a high-risk patient on two immunosuppressant drugs, and I'm also an essential worker. I deliver uh, chemicals to, like, Pfizer and all the sanitation places and that, yet I can't get the vaccines. Right. Right. And, and, and my guess is you've been trying, right? It's, it's not through lack of effort. Oh, I've been trying to get a hold of my representative, Sarah Rodriguez, who doesn't return any calls. You know, when when, uh, Hutton was our representative, he helped me out a lot. But this Sarah Rodriguez is just terrible. She doesn't return calls at all. 
and uh, my doctors and that they they said they can't get them and that and yeah. it's just it's just very frustrating. Well, and so and th- thanks for called in, and, and I'm sure it's even more frustrating when you, when you hear these stories about the people who are uh, cutting in line. And I'm using that phrase. Look, and I, and I understand. Like I say, there's there's all sorts of justifications that people can come up with with doing this. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, the example of the Wall Street Journal. We'll just stick with that. Okay, we're we're on the we're on the board of directors for this this hospital, and we have nothing to do with you know patient care or anything like that. But hey, the, the healthcare system has some of this stuff, and they they want the board of directors to be happy, so they're they're signing this this up and, and oh well we'll take it well if i was on that board of directors for that hospital and, and they said hey we're going to make this available to you I, I i think the only responsible thing to do is say look i'm, I'm going to pass I'm, I'm going to wait my turn and yeah i, I want to get vaccinated i just this idea that people here I, i'm going to push to the front of the line and i'm in my 30s or in my 20s or i'm in my 40s or, or whatever and, and gee i'm sorry i'm sorry that that guy that's delivering the chemicals to fiserv who's in the high risk category who's in his 60s sorry he can't get it give me mine I'm, i just can't do that jeremy uh you're on wtmj jeremy and racine hi thanks for taking my call last hi, week jeremy. my wife received a letter from the Department of Health in regards to her eligibility to receive the vaccination because she's considered a caregiver for my autistic son. Along with my other son, which is 20 years old, he is um, like a helper. Uh, he's listed as a helper, as a caregiver. And he's only 20. My wife is 43. My autistic son is only 22. And none of them are high risk uh, of if they received COVID, that they would be, you know, it would be detrimental to their health at all. Uh, we've already been through a quarantine ourselves with one of my sons who received COVID, and, and everybody seemed to be just fine. And my wife and I decided that um, she wasn't going to take the, the vaccine because she has a mother that is 70 years old that hasn't sure. received it yet. I have parents that are in their 60s. They haven't even received it yet, and it, it just wouldn't be right for her to do so. It just, it just struck me as that even at 43 and 20 and 22, they're being bumped to the head of the line based on uh, a program that my wife is involved with as far as a caregiving program for my son. Yeah, interesting. Now, thanks for culture. I mean, it, 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 again, and look, at, at some point in time, you, you want to, this is all going to be distributed. And by the way, a couple of people say, well, what if they're going to throw it out? Now, see, that's, that's the rationalization and that's the justification. The, the, the stuff does have a little bit of a shelf life. And so, I mean, for example, if somebody were to call me at 3.05 this afternoon, and let's say that, that somebody, I, my, my friend who works at the nursing home, calls me up at 3.05 this afternoon and says, Jeff, you know, we, we've got a couple extra doses here. If, if you know, come on over and, and we'll, we'll get you there. All right, and, and you know, we've got, we've got a window. We've got till 5 or 6 o'clock. I, I'm sorry, my response is still going to be, thanks for the offer, but there, call somebody else. Or, you know, I, there, there's got to be somebody that's more deserving or more appropriate than, than I am that, that's out there, like a million other people who should be in line. Let, let, let's give it to them. Or if you want, I know a lot of people who haven't been able to get it. Here, if, if 
can, can I give my like golden ticket to one of those people? So this idea that, well, it's, it's going to be destroyed. They were going to throw it out. That's, again, that's, that's for people who are trying to rationalize behavior because there, there is a window uh, that, that is out there. It's not like, gee, this stuff only has a five minute shelf life and then it's all going to be gone. You, you can move to plan B or to plan C that's out there. And uh, again, I just, I, Obviously, people are willing to be line cutters. I, I get it. I understand people are willing to do that, and it's not illegal to do it. It's just, I, I think, wrong. And I don't know how you live with yourself with that. And I guess stories like the ones in the Wall Street Journal today, I just find to be absolutely infuriating, infuriating that you have, you know, people. This is this is no different than the folks who are, you know, standing in line waiting to get tickets, except this is a life and death thing, or food or whatever, and you've been waiting in line for 40 minutes, and then all of a sudden somebody rushes in and jumps in front of you who who otherwise wouldn't be entitled to do it. That's what this is. And they can rationalize their behavior all they want. But I'm, I'm sorry, um, again, as the headline of the Wall Street Journal says, with COVID-19 vaccine waiting lists in the millions, some skip the line. And... Um, Hope you enjoy your vaccine and hope you can live with yourself for doing that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, almost happy birthday to you in early March. Um, I think it's March 11th is the exact date. Something turns 10 years old, and that would be Act 10. Act 10, for people who might be new to Wisconsin, Act 10 was the proposal that Scott Walker launched soon after he was elected governor, which essentially, well, dealt with public employees, and it limited the number of issues that public employees could bargain on. It also required public employees to, you know, heaven forbid, it required public employees to contribute a portion of their salary to their pension benefits, to their retirement benefits, and to pay um, a bit for their, their health care. And, and this was something that, um, well, let's see, like, for example, it cut public employees' pay. Well, it really didn't cut their pay, but it did require them to pay more for their health insurance. Um, so um, what ended up happening is if you made $50,000 a year, your pay was cut by about 8.5% because you had to contribute to your pension, you had to contribute to your, your health care. And that, of course, had the effect of reducing the the cost, the employee cost, the cost for employees for different municipalities. Now, Act 10 was precipitated by the, these huge rallies and protests and capital takeovers and Democrat state senators fleeing the state to try to prevent uh, a quorum from occurring and, and all the, this different type of stuff. And at the end of the day, it passed. And now it's been in effect for 10 years. And it's interesting to me because all the people that were predicting the, the gloom and doom, well, it, it hasn't. It hasn't come to pass. It, it just hasn't. It's not like you have trouble finding people who are willing to work for government because the truth is, you know, the government benefits are still really, really, really good. Now, I understand that there's been a hit to some people briefly in their take-home pays because they have to do what people in the private sector have had to do for pretty much ever, which is contribute to 
you know, your health care costs contribute to your pension costs, but it's still a pretty good deal. For some teachers, it's been a real boon because it allows school districts to go out and pay more for the the better teachers. You know, if you have a teacher who's teaching a specialty, something that's in demand, well, that that teacher can can sell themselves essentially to the highest bidder instead of being trapped into this pay scale where the only way you get raises is based on, you know, your education level and how long you've been a teacher. So you haven't seen this disastrous impact. Um, we, We still have teachers. I understand there's a teaching shortage. I'm not sure it's fair to say that that's Act 10. I think it's all sorts of things that have gone on. You've seen union membership that has declined a little bit, but it's not like it's completely and totally devastated public unions. But some employees are just making the decision that, hey, there's nothing I can get out of being in a union. But at the same time, you still have people signing up for government jobs. You've had school districts that have generated revenue through referendum, and those referendums have been, again, something that at least the taxpayers get a chance to decide whether they want to pay. And overall, you've seen the tax burden in Wisconsin go down. Bottom line is, 10 years after Act 10, starting next month, all this gloom and doom that was predicted at the time this was being passed, oh, this is going to devastate Wisconsin, it hasn't happened. Now, I'm not saying that it might not have caused a little bit of heartache for an individual here and there, but it hasn't caused this widespread devastation that was predicted. You still have people who want to work in the public sector. You still have people who can't wait to work in the public sector. And you put it all together, and you look at the fact that the taxpayer's burden has been reduced. Act 10 pretty much delivered what it was promised it would have promised to deliver. And for all the people out there who said, oh, it's going to devastate the state, hasn't happened. So Act 10, whether you love it or hate it, turns 10 next month. When we come back, well, we're going to talk about Super Bowl commercials, we're going to be talking about a flag, and we're going to be talking about electric cars. It's all coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. The fact that you have a handful of kooks out there who might try to hijack historical symbols doesn't mean that they should be allowed to do it. And it doesn't mean that the politically correct among us should buy into this. Here, here's the story, and it's, it, it's a small story that has bigger ramifications. If you're ever out in Delafield, I, I encourage you to check out the Wisconsin Veterans Memorial Riverwalk. It's, um, again, it really, it's in the heart of, of downtown uh, Delafield. It's right along the Ice Age National Scenic Trail, and it's adjacent to the south bank of, of the Bark River. And and what this is, it's 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 a series. They describe it as the Veterans Memorial Riverwalk, and it, it's a series of monuments. I think they've got like like ten. And there, so as you walk along the the route, there's like ten different areas. There's a there's a memorial for the Revolutionary War, for early American wars, for wars of expansion, for the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, uh, Korea, Vietnam, the Gulf War, and the War on Terror. And then there's a Peace Garden. I think that's how the, the ten come up. And at, at each at each stop along the way, there, there's a memorial and there's some information and there, there's flags, you know, that, that they have there. Well, the, at the American Revolutionary 
um, war memorial, one of the, the ten that are along the way. And, th- and this has been the case, oh, for going on, I mean, going on at least 15 or 16 years. What they have is just a couple flags that fly over the, the American Revolutionary War Memorial their monument. There's, there's the American flag, and then beneath it, they fly the Gadsden flag. Now, the Gadsden flag is that, you've you perhaps seen it, it's the yellow flag with the, the coiled rattlesnake and the, the phrase, don't tread on me. Um, it, in, 19, in 1775, the Continental Navy was established by George Washington, and those first ships that, that came in, um, they, they had the Gadsden flag, and it was apparently originated and created by Continental Colonel Christopher Gadsden, who represented his home state of South Carolina, and with seven members of that, that Marine Committee that outfitted the first naval um, mission. And so that, that flag has historical significance, and it's been around since 1775. And again, you have perhaps seen this. All right, well, what's happened over the last several years is that you had this flag, the Don't Tread on Me flag. It became one of the flags that you saw used uh, 10 years ago when the, the Tea Party movement started, you know, gaining some weight. People would show up with the Gadsden flag. And more recently... You have seen this at a handful of what I'm going to describe as some of the the kook protests that have been out there. Um, apparently, at the at the Trump rally in D.C. that led to the, the riots at the Capitol and all that stuff, there were some people who that people had all sorts of flags. But one of the flags that was out there was the Gadsden flag. Okay, that that's that's just it. Doesn't change the historical significance, but it, yes, it has been co-opted by some of these kook groups that that are out there. And and yes, there were people that were carrying this flag at at the rally that preceded the riots at the Capitol. All right. So why are we discussing this? Well, um, on the fifteenth of this month, so that would be a week from today, the. Common Council in Delafield is going to be deciding whether or not this flag should be removed from the war memorial. Um, there was a, apparently a resident number of years ago who said, "Well, I this I, I just I think you should take this down. Symbols change over time, and what we we think you should do is that this it's no longer appropriate." because there were some of these rioters at the Capitol that had this flag, so we think that they should take it down. We wouldn't fly a Confederate flag. We wouldn't fly a swastika, so we shouldn't fly the Gadsden flag. Well, when this was originally brought up a couple years ago, the Delafield Common Council said, no, that, that we're, 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 not, we're not going to take this down. But now it's a back on the agenda, again, because of the developments of what happened last month. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, let's, let's tee this up. This is a flag with historical significance. It, it isn't a Confederate flag. It isn't the flag of the Confederacy that tried to secede from the Union. It's certainly not a swastika. Comparisons like that are dumb. I'm sorry. But, it, I mean, it is a flag with historical significance that admittedly, I mean, has been, I guess, 
to an extent co-opted that you you do see some of the right-wing militia or some of the people that are you know showing up at the capitol with the intent of insurrection or whatever they've got the flag All right does that in and of itself justify saying okay we can no longer fly this flag at the american revolutionary uh, war monument in, in delafield and i understand who cares what flag is up at this particular thing but this idea that all right, we're now going to allow symbols that have been around for 250 years to be hijacked because a handful of extremists might wave this flag. That means we, we have to pretend the flag doesn't exist or we can't fly it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. In some respects, it reminds me of the discussion we had a while back where, you know, you, you had some of these, again, extremists that would take the, like, the diver's okay sign and they would make that sign to, as a, presumably, a way to kind of communicate with each other. So now, anytime somebody makes that sign, that means you're a white supremacist or something like that. No. No, it, it, it doesn't. It, it means you're making the sign that, hey, this, this is okay. All right, have we reached the point in 2021 where because a handful of extremists might on occasion carry this flag, you cannot allow a flag with significant historical significance to fly in Delafield or anywhere else? Is it the same as flying a Confederate flag? Is it the same as flying a, a swastika? My answer would be no. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this really is going to be a test of the Delafield Common Council a week from today to whether or not uh, the, the cancel culture is going to run amok in, in Delafield. As you're just tuning in, the, the Gadsden flag, which is the yellow flag, don't tread on me, that has its roots back in 1775, that flag flies at the Revolutionary War Monument, which is one of a series of monuments out at the Wisconsin Veterans Memorial Riverwalk out in Delafield. Well, you, you've got, at least as far as I can tell, one one person, a resident, who's been trying to get it taken down for years because at Tea Party meetings back 10 years ago, some people would wave that flag. And because at the most recent Capitol riots, you had a couple people who apparently waved that flag, along with a whole bunch of other flags, and now they're saying, okay, the argument is, well, we should take this down. This is just, in, it is just inappropriate. My point is, first of all, it's got historical significance. Secondly, because you have insurrectionists or, or whatever that decide that they want to co-opt this and take the flag doesn't mean that everybody else has to give in to that. And this idea that, oh, my gosh, because a couple people who were storming the Capitol had this flag, well, we can't fly it anymore despite its historical significance. To me, that's, that is the cancel culture run amok. 855-616-1620. Jeff, some of those protesters and rioters also carried an American flag. So by that rationale, we should get rid of that as well. It's the cancel culture, and it needs to stop. Jeff, they also had an American flag, for God's sake. Should that be taken down? Jeff, uh, Delafield trying to silence free speech. I see a lawsuit coming. Well, I don't know about free speech. Jeff, this is silly and over-the-top PC. Yes, it, it, it is. It's political correctness run 
amok. Jeff, enough is enough. It's time for people with a tad of common sense to stand up and say we aren't putting up with this nonsense anymore. Keep the flag, keep the okay sign, keep our statue and names honoring great but flawed people. Um, yeah, that's it. Jeff, per the flag discussion, if you watch the excellent HBO series on John Adams, that flag opens every episode. I understand, but what a shame. That's from Nancy up in, you know, Green Bay. And, and some people are then trying to say, well, you know, you the, the swastika is a really good comparison. Well, Okay, no, first of all, this is an American monument. And some people are saying, well, before Hitler, the, the swastika had a, a, a different connotation. Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But th- this is an American Revolutionary War Memorial. They are flying a flag which was prominent during the Revolutionary War. The fact that somebody in an extremist group might have carried that flag as well over the course of the last couple years, doesn't change the historical significance of this at all. And I guess at some point in time, you just have to say to those who are part of the cancel culture, we're, we're, we're not going to give in to this. And, and just every time somebody from a group that you don't agree with or you think is beyond the pale or whatever, every time that they decide that they want to, I don't know, wave a flag or adopt a slogan or wear a particular t-shirt or whatever that means that other people can't do it no i mean it's again it's it's a situation where it's a situation where there is a historical significance to it and, and we just got to kind of rock and roll with it now i, I don't know how this is going to all play out because i i understand when you deal with public officials and you've got that squeaky wheel or two or saying well you know somebody might be offended by this and we don't want to offend anybody i understand it's easier just to say take the flag down than it is to argue that there's no reason to make this change it's easier to give in to the squeaky wheels my argument has always been sometimes with squeaky wheels it's best to just let them continue to squeak because sooner or later, you know, they, they fall off and the squeaking stops regardless. The Delafield Common Council has a meeting on this. I think it is a week from today uh, on the 15th. We'll see how they decide. And by the way, big picture is if you're out in that area and you get a chance to check out this Memorial River Walk, you, you really should because it is very, very cool. All right. I told you about this earlier for Valentine's Day. Um, Original cream puffs, you know, the cream puffs of the state fair, they've, they've come out with something special. Cocoa cream puffs and strawberry cream puffs, perfect for Valentine's Day and this weekend's Valentine's Day puff pop-up. I have a six-pack of cream puffs, three cocoa, three strawberry to give away. By the way, you could freeze them as well. Let's give them to caller number 12, 855-616-1620. Caller number 12 wins this six-pack of cream puffs as as part of this special Valentine's Day cream puff deal. Check it out. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner in the cream puff giveaway. Um, we're going to be giving away a six-pack of cream puffs as part of this this Valentine's Day pop-up puff opportunity that they're offering. We'll be doing that um, every day this week. Kind of cool. All right, COVID-19 claims another victim. This is far as... Um, Social, uh, the social interaction. Milwaukee's German Fest canceled for 2021. This is an ongoing battle. You know, people were saying, 
Jack, I can't wait for 2020 to be gone because then 2021 is going to come around. And, and one of the, the big questions I think a lot of us had is, well, what do you really think is going to be different about 2021, at least the beginning stages, than about 2020? Well, I, I do think when it comes to COVID, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't think it's a train that's coming the, the other way. You, you have the vaccine that's being rolled out. The rollout is, is way too slow. There's not enough of it. But at the same time, there's these different variations and mutations of the virus that are out there. But the, the bottom line is, I, I think as they make more vaccine, as we get better with the distributions and things like that, I think the hope is that by sometime this summer or the fall, Everybody that wants the vaccine will be able to get it. I certainly hope that that's the case because that's the key to getting back to whatever normal is going to be. The problem is we we don't know when that's going to we don't know when that's going to happen. You, you don't know, is it going to be June? Is it going to be July? Is it going to be September? Is it going to be November? We, we just we don't know those various things. So last week, Summerfest announced that they were going to postpone. They Summerfest was originally scheduled to be end of June, early July. And the concern was that they, they just didn't think that there'd be enough people who would be vaccinated that, that you'd be able to have a, a summer fest like we're used to having. And, and the truth is, from an economic perspective, it, it's tough to... It's tough to put on a festival like Summerfest if you're limited in capacity to, to 25%. That just that doesn't work. The bands don't want to make 25% of the money. It, you can't do that. It needs to be something along the lines of what they were. So Summerfest is hoping by kicking it back till <clears throat> September that they'll be closer to that mass immu- to the, the herd immunity, so they'll be able to do it. Um, State Fair hasn't weighed in. State Fair is, of course, you know August. German Fest. Um, which is the end of July. Well, over the weekend, German Fest announced that they had made the decision that they were going to cancel the 2021 festival. And again, the concern is they just didn't know where they were going to be. They, they, you've got to make preparations months ahead of time. You've got to line up the volunteers. You've got to make the commitments. And the concern that German Fest had was that we're just not sure we're going to be able to pull it off, and we don't want to go through all the, the work and expense and do all this stuff and then find out that, you know, in, in May, we're now not in a position to have this happen. So they have, I know, reluctantly made the decision to pull the plug on German Fest 2021. I, I understand the decision. Not going to criticize it. We don't know what the other ethnic festivals are, are going to do. Um, you know, Polish Fest, I don't think they've made the decision yet. Um, Irish Fest, I don't think they've made the decision, and Festa hasn't made the decision. Pride Fest um, wants to has canceled the earlier one, but they want to try to reschedule for the fall. Maybe they'll be able to pull it off. The big kahuna is, of course, talking about cream puffs. It's, it's State Fair, and State Fair would normally start, I think, the week after German Fest. So I, I know all these organizers are going through all these machinations and trying to decide what can happen. I'm certainly not going to criticize German Fest because the decision they made, you know, makes I, I think a, a lot of a, a lot of sense just because of the uncertainty. But I sure hope that by late June or July, which you know again is is five or six months from now, we would have gotten to the point where we could start gathering together in public places in in groups, and and that's why it is so important for 
us to get the vaccines and they can be distributed so that we can again return to that sense of normalcy. But German Fest 2021, another casualty of the pandemic, and it's just too darn bad. That was always one of my very favorite ethnic festivals. Hopefully it will be back bigger and better than ever in the summer of 2022. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.